I doubt the validity of this, but there is a story going around amongst Baptist preachers that there was a new preacher up in Norton area, and at his church there was a homeless man. He used to live outside the church, and he, when he passed on, he went ahead and the, they went ahead and he had just the homeless man had actually prepaid to have a, a little burial and funeral to go on for himself. So uh, he had a like a small wake at the church and this pastor was there and a few people showed up. But the day of the, uh, the sermon, the day of the burial, it was supposed to be graveside. The pastor being new to the area, didn't know the area very well. So he was over an hour and a half late. He got stuck, lost in traffic, couldn't get there. When he finally got there, there was just a, there was just the hole in the ground and he walked over and looked and he noticed it was already sealed up, had concrete poured over it. And there was two guys sitting over on a, uh, like a backhoe, just like taking a break. So he looked over, he started praying. And the next thing you know, he started, he decided, decided you know what? He was going to preach a sermon anyway. So he preaches this rip-roaring sermon about heaven and hell and about people being justified and the whole thing. And he gets done and the whole time he was just saying, God bless you. May God keep you. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God bless you. May God keep you. And finally, he prays, he finishes up with, may God bless you, and may God keep you. He starts to walk away. And as he's walking away, here's the one guy to say to the other guy, man, I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years, and I've never seen that happen. And the other guy said, well, he must not have insurance. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> So, but yeah, and then uh, Tuesday, I was at a uh, uh, assisted living home helping out, and the one guy there had just every joke you could imagine. He told jokes for three straight hours, just constant, one after another, and the one he was telling was about an old man and an old lady who went to the uh, state fair. And for twenty, for like twenty straight years, they go to the state fair, and there'd be helicopter rides, and fifty dollars. And he'd say, "Man, I really need to ride on a helicopter." And she'd say, "Yeah, but fifty dollars is fifty dollars." He'd say, "Yeah, you're right. Fifty dollars is fifty dollars." And he'd leave. So for twenty years, they did that. Finally, after the like twenty first, twenty second year, there was a new helicopter pilot sitting there. The other guy had retired, and they were like, "Well, you know," he's like, "I." Guy goes, I'm I'm eight, pushing eighty years old. If I don't do a helicopter ride soon, I'm never gonna get one. She goes, Yeah, but eighty dollars or fifty dollars is fifty dollars. And the helicopter pilot heard that. And he goes, You know what? I'll tell you what. If I ride you and you don't say a word or make even a noise in the entire trip, I'll give it to you for free. But if you say anything or make any noises, I'm, you're, I'm gonna have to charge you the fifty bucks. And the lady looked at the husband and said. Well, you know what this means? Not a noise. No matter what happens, not a noise. Because you got it. They get in the helicopter, and they start riding around, and there's not a noise going on. The helicopter pilot decides he's going to start doing some acrobatics and stuff to see if he can't get some noise out of the people. He, starts, he rolls the helicopter over. He does a couple things. He buzzes the ground real fast. Not a single peep out of anything. He gets back. He hits the ground, and he <laughs> looks back at the guy and goes, man. Nothing. He goes, man, that's amazing. I could have swore something was going to happen a minute for a second there. 
And he goes, yeah. He goes, right as my wife fell out the helicopter, I was about to say something, but you know, $50 is $50. Yeah. And then uh, my sermon about what, what I did last week is, uh, I have a couple jokes because of last week's sermon. It said, there was a, in the middle of a uh, sermon, a guy gets up and just rushes out of the, the sanctuary. At the end of it, the guy, the lady walks, the lady's, the wife of the man walks over to the reverend and goes, sir, I am so sorry. He goes, you know, I hope you didn't take that personally. I'm just so embarrassed about it. He goes, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't think much of it. He goes, yeah. She goes, I just, I can't believe you just got up and walked out of your sermon. He goes, yeah, I did find it a little bit strange, but I didn't find anything. I wasn't worried. He goes, she goes, it's not a reflection on you. And every time he goes to sleep, he sleepwalks. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the Sunday school class where the teacher asked the children why do they have to be quiet. She said, because they don't want to wake up grandpa because he's trying to sleep. <laughs> So with that being said, about uh, that's a, a com- personal commentary on last week's sermon, and like I said, I apologize. It was a it was a rough week for me, but uh, we're going to be in John fourteen. John fourteen. This is our sixth week, doing the sixth of seven statements that Jesus said. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14.1 says, this is just after Jesus had predicted that uh, Simon's going to deny him and that all of them are going to scatter and nobody's going to stay with them. 14 says, let your hearts, your heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to stop there real quick, just to let you know that, um, there is an interesting thing, because we have a whole bunch of hymns and stuff now about mansions in heaven. At the time this was translated, a mansion just referred to a big, large, open room in a house. Like a big, like a ballroom. Something that was like a ballroom. So, over time, since the 1600s, since the 1500s, the word mansion has come to refer, refer to any large house. But it really only referred to houses that were big enough to have a ballroom in it. So when he says, my, in my father's house are many mansions, he's saying there's many large open spaces. There's many large. What this means, not 100% certain, because, I mean, can you try to envision heaven? <laughs> I mean, it's people have tried, and I'm sure that every single thought we have falls short of what it's going to really be like. So I just want to point out that what he's saying is, in my father's house, which is in the house, there are many mansions, many large spaces, many things we can't even begin to understand what it's like. Three says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may also be. And whither I go, ye know, and where I go, ye know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where you go, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. 
If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. And from henceforth ye have known him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will suffice us. Jesus said unto him, I have been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me, seen the Father, he that has seen me has seen the Father, and thou sayest then, show us the Father. Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for my works' sake. Now, I'm going to stop there because the point we're tracking on is the concept of the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he'd been with them for a very long time at this point, and telling them, and they still don't get it. And one of the issues is, is that this thing about wanting to see the Father. It's a difficult concept, but, and I was going to say, we, we'll never see the Father in heaven. You don't see him. He's a spirit. You can't see a spirit. We don't see him. The only thing we will ever see in heaven is Jesus. We will see Jesus on the throne, the second in the Trinity, because he is the expressed image of God. That's the only image we see of God. God is like nothing that we can comprehend. And therefore, to even say we saw him would be, it wouldn't even make sense, because we couldn't understand what we were seeing if we saw God. In heaven... When Isaiah sees the throne room, what does he see? He sees a spot where cherubs are literally leaning over, covering God, so that nothing around can see him, because if anything saw him, it would die. It couldn't live. So we will never see the Father God. He is a spirit. He will feel him. We'll know he's there. He talks. He goes, but you don't physically see him. And again, the reason why I point out the thing about the mansions, we don't know what heaven's really going to look like. How, we get, how can you really... We're used to seeing things and hearing things. Heaven is so different than everything we can that when Isaiah was seeing it, he was doing the best job he could to describe it. He's doing the best he could, using the best words that God had given to him to use and to say, to let us know what's going on. But we still... <laughs> We just, we'll never truly get it until we're there. We'll never truly see that. But the concept is there is that, remember, God is a trinity. There's three and yet there's one. There's three and yet there's one. How exactly that works is really difficult. It's really, we can know that it works. We can't know how it works. If you can understand God, you are God. Therefore, we can't understand God because we're not God. Anybody who says, I got it, I know it perfectly, they don't. Nobody will ever understand. And I'm sure there are things I will say that when I get up there, I'm going to be like, well, I apologize for that. (laughs) My bad. I tried. Did the best I could. So the concept is, is that we have to understand the unity of God is that 
God, that's why God's saying, Jesus is saying, even if you don't believe me just telling you, we're, you know, that I am the expressed image of God, believe the works I do. The works Jesus did proclaimed God with everything that he did, every action he did, every statement he did, he proclaimed God at all times. So he's saying, just understand the works, understand and believe that, even if you can't believe anything else. And that's, that's one of those things when it comes to salvation. The only thing that truly ever counts is belief. You believe in Jesus and you're saved. People will believe in Jesus who will never understand how it works. Never. There's no understanding. How does that work? I don't know. That's good enough. God's not asking you to be able to explain it. He's asking you to believe it. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. So we're going to look back at verse 5 and 6. And it says, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where you go. How can we know the way? So he's saying, Thomas is thinking like earth. We don't know where you're going. How can we get there on foot? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The way, the truth, and the life. The way, the original term for Christians back in the Old Testament were called the way. That's what they were called. They were called a cult. They were officially labeled a cult by the the, uh, Romans. And they were called the cult of the way. And the reason why is because that was the main sticking point that all of them had was that there's one way. And that's Jesus. He's the way. Followers of the way. So, the interesting thing is, is in this, we're going to do a word study, because this is what I, this is what I love to do in the Bible, is study the words. The word the way in the Greek is hodos. That actually means the road. It means, or a road. But it's, it's a very familiar Jewish idiom, but it's a very unfamiliar Greek thing. So when John's explaining this to Greek-speaking people. They probably didn't get this very well because it wasn't something they thought of a lot. Because prior to this, a dose, it could be, it's actually about like a preceding spoken thought or an action that would lead someone to doing something. So he's saying, you know, you think about conduct. If you want, if somebody said, you say to your children, if you want to go to Disneyland, you got to be good. Or if you want to go to McDonald's, you can't fight with your siblings for the next three hours. Now you have a way to get to McDonald's. It's not a physical road. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about the conduct that leads to the destination. That's what Hados is referring to. It is a manner of thinking, a thought process. That would then lead one to be able to get to their objective. So he's saying, I am the way. Meaning, he is not just the way as in the door. We were a couple of weeks ago, he's the door. Through him is the only way. But he's saying, to obtain salvation, we need to be like him. We need to do what he did. What did he do? He believed. 
He was faithful even unto death. His words in the garden when he knew what was going to happen to him was, let this this cup pass from me, but not my will. Your will be done. No matter what what happened. Belief doesn't mean anything if it's not faithful. Belief means nothing if it's not faithful. He was faithful to the end. You can say you believe something, but if it's tried, sometimes you don't believe it as much as you think you do. We need to be like Christ, who believed it even unto death. We need to believe. Sometimes that's how people work when they're working that process. It's not easy for a lot of people. There are people who are real, they're thinkers. They just, they think things, think, and think things through. And they think themselves out of stuff. So what happens is it becomes a process of convincing yourself to believe something. You know it's true, but you're going, is it? Is it really? I mean, how can I? And you just have to consistently, day by day, talk to yourself. Think to yourself. Put things in your way that will cause you to stop and slow down and rededicate yourself to the thought and the in the belief that Christ is the only way. So he when he says I am the way, he's saying, literally saying, I am thought. Think what you're going. How do you get to heaven? By imitating me, by being faithful, by belief. That's how you get there. Then he says the truth. The truth here is the word in Greek that is aletheia. Aletheia means, anybody who's taken Latin or Greek knows, when there's an A in front of a word, it usually means not. And aletheia means concealed or covered. Therefore, he's saying that he, he is the uncovering or the, he's not concealing anything from the disciples. He's the uncovering of the truth. See, the concept here is in other places, most of the places in the Bible where you see the word truth, it's amen. And oddly enough, amen is trans- translated in this Bible as verily, truthfully. Uh, it's translated as amen. And let it be so. However, it's there's it also again truth, but we're, this isn't the same truth as amen, which is let it be so. And then besides, amen actually means like without give. It is so it's being solid, something that's firm, something you can test, you can step on it, you know, like a solid ground. You can step on it, it doesn't doesn't give. So it's truth. It's, it's solid. So when he's saying, I'm going to tell you something that you can believe in, he says, verily, verily, he's saying, truth, truth, here's something you can stand on. In this case, he's saying, aletheia. He's saying, here's something that's unconcealed. I'm not going to conceal this from you. The term for that in Greek thought is to not be hidden or to be so undeniable as to be reality. So he's saying, I am the reality. He's not just the way, but he it's the reality that he's the only way. He truly and utterly is. 
There's no illusion to this. He's not giving you, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do these special classes, you have to learn this handshake, you have to... There's nothing to it. You don't have to learn any other languages, you don't have to learn nothing. He is... The reality is, it's a simple belief. All you gotta do. Jesus is saying that he is literally reality. Others can copy. Others can say that they have their belief system. But in reality, there is one way. Jesus is that reality. He is the reality that we live. And ultimately, it will be proven. It will be proven. It stands the test of time. We're sitting here 2,000 years later. No matter what anybody brings, in 2,000 years, you can't, you can't strike it down. Why? Because it's the reality. And then we have the life, which is the word Zoe in Greek. Zoe means life. Now, it doesn't, there's another Greek word called zoon, or zoo. This is why we have a zoo. It means animal life, or anything that's alive, has breath in its body. So, it's not zoon, this is zoe. This is talking about both physical and spiritual life. It's all forms of life that a person can experience. It is the experience of life. See, animals don't have Zoe life because animals are not self-aware. They're not self-conscious. Therefore, they can't experience the fullness of life. So while they're alive, they don't experience life as we do. Life that can be devoid of meaning and purpose in some occasions. Life that can feel Void and meaningless at times, but a life that can also be filled with God and His presence. A fullness that can only be sustained by God. It, it is, it, Zoe, when people, when the Greeks speak, use it, they're referring to the fullness of life, both the essential life, oxygen in your lungs, and life spiritually. The fullness that comes from belonging God. And therefore, he is not just the way, not just the truth, but you have to have the first two to get to the third. This is, he's not just throwing out random statements. He's not just saying, I'm this and I'm that and I'm this. He's saying, he is the way. We have to be like him. Conform ourselves to him. Think like him. How do we do that? We can't do that. We can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to believe that it's possible. That's the only way. Belief. And then he is the reality. He will show us reality. He will show us what is true. We will experience life differently. And not just that, but that's the only way we can experience life, which is life full of abundance. That has purpose. That has a meaning. That doesn't feel void and empty and useless at the end of the day. There is another word... In Greek, it's zao, which means to just be moving, be something that moves. But that's, again, animals move. There's a whole other word that Jesus chose to use of life. It expresses fullness and having everything you need sustained by God. So Jesus is literally saying, he's the way. Be like him is the only way to have it. 
is reality. He is the only truth of reality. Whether you agree or not, whether someone agrees or not, reality. And he is the life. The only way to experience anything in life worth experiencing is through him. He can only be alive through him. You can be living and not be alive. You can be breathing and not be alive. But the only way to escape the stench of impending death that will happen to us all is to throw off the world and to live in Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I die with Christ, yet I live. But not me, it is Christ that lives in me. And it is only by his faith. Paul doesn't say it's by my faith in him. It's by his faith. Let's go to that real quick. Let's go to Galatians 2.20. Just don't want to make that. I want everybody to underline that in your Bible. If you underline. If you don't, that's fine. But I have it underlined. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, the life I live in the flesh is lived by Christ's faith, not our faith, by Christ, because he was faithful unto death. And therefore, we have the three things. It is not just three things Christ is, but it is a systematic approach to life. The way, belief. The truth and the reality is the only way, like it or not. And the life, the only way to experience it is to give up and let him be faithful in what he does. It's the only way to live. It's the only way to live. This is about how to say Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, I thank you for the time, I thank you for the people who have come together. That we will go out in your name and proclaim you and be, be faithful as you are, faithful that no matter what, we will not feel ashamed for anything we have. For we have truth on our side. We have the reality on our side. Because we are full with your spirit. May you indwell everybody today that as we go out, we will... We will stand in this world, we will be in this world, and that we will have joy and fullness and a life that has lived in you. That's for all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.